Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball, and if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, heaters. Welcome back to another new episode of Half Street High Heat, now presented by Manscaped. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We appreciate all of you listening. I am Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by my fatalistic co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please make sure to find us on Twitter. The show is there at Half Street High Heat. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, which has tons of great content, including, I think, three new articles just since the last time we recorded. So if you're not checking that every day, you are missing out. You can read all about how we got swept by the damn Braves. Anyway, how are y'all doing? I mean, fatalistic means one of two things. Mm-hmm. One, I'm fatally attractive. <laughs> two, What's the other? <laughs> two which is the the lesser of the two, you know, possibilities that I overreact and think everything's the end of the world, which uh, I think I react appropriately to any given situation, especially when it comes to the Washington Nationals. So yeah, it's more of that second thing, more of that second thing, although it's more like the idea that everything is inevitable, like their, their, uh, their failure is inevitable. So if there's one thing, that our heaters need to know from this podcast it's that Shaq is inevitable <laughs> so fatalistic uh, about Shaq if nothing else speaking of how you doing Ryan I'm doing just dandy oh that sounds good just dandy, dandy. yeah I, was gonna, I thought that it sounded like there's gonna be a follow-up to that yeah yeah but just dandy is enough that's good yeah you know hear. I I started watching friends how far did you get before you stopped 
Um, I'm actually pretty deep in season two. Nice. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I might as well just stick to it, you know. Um, I don't really like people tell me what to do. <laughs> like when when people tell me to do something, I purposely don't do it out of principle. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's like, you gotta watch Friends, you gotta watch Friends. I was like, no, it's the same reason why I haven't watched Game of Thrones, even though I know for a fact I would love the show. Yeah, but way too many people have told me to watch it where i'm like no but like i'll, I'll watch it eventually um so i said i watch friends and it's pretty funny i like it so far i i don't know i i feel like it's gonna run itself out and like won't deserve oh, the hype yeah i don't know how most, you know, shows, I, most shows do though yeah they always go on for a little yeah. too long looking at you walking dead um yeah, You're having actually on. i know which inexplicably is still i was such a fan of it now and i haven't watched it in like I don't know, years now, and it's still on. Although, let's talk about Grey's Anatomy, or let's not. That is also still on. But, no, I watched Friends when it was new, when it was actually airing the first time. And back I don't know 80s. if I could, right, exactly, back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, I don't know if I could watch that show, like, binge-watched style. It's just, like, so much to watch episode episodes back-to-back. I don't know if it would be as enjoyable in that format as it is if you were watching it one episode at a time. I think it's exactly one of those shows because it's not, you know, the it's office is perfect. Watch. Yeah, the office is perfect for it because there's that overarching point from, but from episode to episode, you don't miss too much. It's almost, it's almost like it resets. That's yeah. kind of how the, you know, older sitcoms are. Um, but I like Friends. It's definitely not, you know, God tier like The Office or some of the other ones. But uh, I mean, I think it's gotten unfairly, you know, criticized over the years. But this is a huge development for Ryan because, like you said, out of principle, he doesn't do things. So the fact that <laughs> he has you know, to be contrary to what everyone else. I'm not kidding. This, this has been how long have we been out of high school? Like seven years? Oh, it's, more, it's than, more than long, seven years it's been at a least. Long time. Yeah, me too. Also, more than seven years. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, like well, it's it's weird. I I know all of the iconic moments because like no pop culture and everything right so i'm like watching i'm like oh that's the context of that yeah did you ever watch seinfeld um i i love seinfeld i will at some point i just haven't gotten there yet that's when you really have to you really have to watch at some point Mm -hmm. it's just yeah all right well that's enough uh sitcom talk let's do our quick pitch so uh, there was John Means of the Baltimore Orioles pitched a no-hitter, which much like Max Scherzer's no-hitter uh, in uh, – what year was that? I can't even remember exactly. Can't even compare. Yeah. Well, but point is they were one batter away from a perfect game, and it was a BS reason that they lost the perfect game. For John Means, it was a dropped third strike. So let's get our thoughts on the dropped third strike rule. Um. I get the principle of it, you know, in to compare it to like another sport. Cause I was trying to think of, of a rule similar to it and I couldn't really put my finger on it. The only thing I can think of is in football, you have to have possession for, you know, any one play to be, you know, finalized. So with that, I understand. And, you know, it, it, it's tough because there's no one on base, so technically the base is open. But when the base is occupied, except there, when there's two outs, the batter's out. So it's like there's so many uh, 
you know, contingencies for the rule to be in place or, or not in place or whatever. It is a dumb rule. I get why it is a rule, but how, you know, how important is the rule really? Like there's so many other things. It feels like one of the things that's just going to stick around because it's always been a thing. Yeah, I guess so. Although I just think it's a terrible rule. Like a strike is a strike, whether it's caught or not, just seems so, it's so, I don't know, arbitrary to me. It, it's it's irrelevant to whether or not the pitch was a strike. I feel so, like the, I mean, you don't want to take too much away from the value of, of a catcher, but at the same time, when there's runners on base, the catcher's still going to block anyways. And again, when there's runners on base, usually the third drop third strike rule doesn't apply because the base is occupied. So I don't know. It's a dumb rule. So I have a, wouldn't feel anything if it, if it went away. I have a question. Mm-hmm. I have an answer. Unless what's I don't the, want to. what's the difference between a drop third strike and an error? I mean, it's just an error. On is the this catcher, a rhetorical really, right? or are you asking? No, they're, they're, they're the same exact thing. Yeah. Like, if you get rid of drop third strike, you have to get rid of errors. Like, oh, make an error. Sorry, you're still out. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's They're the same exact thing. In the moment, you're like, man, that's such a stupid rule. You can't have the perfect game. It's the same thing as an error. Like, you still get a free base because a guy made a bad throw or the first baseman couldn't catch the ball. They're the same exact thing. And if you look at John Means' case in particular, the catcher, like, stood up. And it went between his legs. Yeah, it was such a weird thing. It, yeah, maybe they were crossed up and it, you know, looked worse than it really was. But the catcher stood up and it went right between his legs. So, you know, that's an error. So Ryan makes a good point there. Yeah, well, uh, it is on a, a related rule. topic, I still loathe Matt Williams with the fire of a thousand suns for not challenging when the guy leaned in and ruined Max's perfect game. But that's neither here nor there. Different topic. Yep. Anyway, okay, let's move on to our week in review. And there is a lot that happened this week. Yeah, it was it was like two days, but it was a pretty wild <laughs> couple of days. Um, as we already discussed, John Means made history by throwing a no-hitter, but it was one of the best no-hitters we've actually ever seen. He threw 26 of 27 first-pitch strikes to the batters he faced. That's the highest clip in MLB history. His changeup was one of the five most highest-rated pitches in any no-hitter in MLB history. He also threw the first no-hitter in history where he faced the minimum, and no batter reached base via air walk, air walk, or hit by pitch. The lone batter reach, as we just discussed, was drop third strike. Albert Pujols is DFA'd in his final year of his contract, which will give the Angels some nice, nice contract room to add a scrub at the deadline. No one is more scared right now than Miguel Cabrera because he's more than likely next. The Dodgers are in the worst stretch of the franchise since 2017. They trailed the Cubs by six runs in a game. Why is that such a big deal? Because that's only the second time over the last two seasons the Dodgers have trailed by six runs in any game. Every other team in MLB has trailed by at least six runs seven times over the last two seasons. Amir Garrett is suspended for seven games for, quote, inciting a benches clear clearing incident, which continues MLB's recent trend of suspensions that just don't make any sense. Jose Alvarado was suspended three games for being excited after closing out a game. To the end at least, in fifth place once again are the 12 and 15 Nats, who just got three games swept by the Braves for the first time since 2014. We'll talk about them in a second. 
in fourth place are the 14 and 16 Marlins. They got swept by the Nats, and then they completed a three-game sweep of their own over the Diamondbacks. Up next is a weekend series with the Brewers. And third are the 15 and 16 Braves, who after sweeping the Nats have a three-game series with the Phillies. And second are the 13 and 13 Mets. Jacob deGrom is day-to-day with early inflammation. He's had that every single year over the last four years. The man is nothing but consistent. Francisco Lindor broke out of his 0-for-26 skid, almost having a no-hitter of his own. And now the Mets play the Diamondbacks this weekend. And first are the 17-15 and 15 Phillies. And for the first time in a long time, the NL East has a team above 500, and it's the Phillies who four games swept the Brewers and won seven straight games by one run. That's their longest such streak since 1980. This has been your Week in Review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. This May, stop in and get yourself a Cheers to Patron Rita. The Cheers to Patron Rita is the May Margarita of the Month. It's available for $5 when dining in at your local neighborhood Chili's. The Cheers to Patron Marg is made with premium Patron Silver Tequila, Triple Sec, and Chili's Fresh Sour. This has been your Week in Review. That, uh, that Dodgers six run trailing six runs in a game stat is absurd because I feel like the Nats trail six runs in a game once a week, right? At least. So the fact it's that they haven't done unreal. it in two years is uh, pretty crazy. But I knew the Dodgers were you know not the typical Dodgers, but until I heard the actual stat of they're what like four and thirteen in their past seventeen or something like that. It's pretty absurd, and then when you look at the standards, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> Thank God they got off to a hot start, otherwise they might be really in trouble. It just, it's so wild because they're, like, doing things that every team always does, but it's the first time they've done it in, like, five years. Like, they lost five it's straight It's a big series. deal when it happens to them. Everyone else, yeah. it's like, oh, they'll work through it. Like, Nats fans, oh, we were 19 and 31. Where the Dodgers <laughs> are like, no, we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't that do happens that. again this year. I don't even want to. I don't. I'd like, we should just not record for that week. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Dodgers just got swept, and that's probably, like, the first time in, like, God knows how long since the Dodgers last got swept. It's yeah, so and annoying. they still have a 531 winning percentage, even though they just got swept. Yeah, it, I feel like there was another absurd stat where they, was it 2018 or 2019 when they went on that absurd run in the regular season? I th- they went like basically months, months and months and months. Oh, yeah. It, swept. I can't um, remember what, exa- what exactly it was. They won like a stupid amount of games out of like 46. Yeah, it was like they, they, went, they went like 51 and 9. Or something in a 60 game stretch yeah it's just not cool <laughs> yeah because i remember leading into last year obviously we only played 60 games so mlb was like oh the dodger or the best 60 game stretch of any team last year was the dodgers they went like 51 and 9 <laughs> it's like oh god i know um, well let me ask you guys this how do you feel right now about the dodgers i mean when they first started struggling a little bit i was just like whatever all teams struggle a little bit but this is starting to drag out a little bit do you have any concern that they aren't who everybody thinks they are or do I mean, you think this is just a blip in the flipping the course of the long season i think it's a mix of the world series hangover and also that they're rather injured right now um everyone has injuries that's not really an excuse but when you take injuries and you mix it with a world series hangover what do you get the 2020 nationals it's not fun to watch there's not a good team right now um it's still blipping the thing like the Giants aren't a legit first place team. They're probably still going to win the division easily like they do every single year. Now, if it's in the May and they're still playing like this, 
we got a pretty exciting story on our hands because no one mm-hmm. expected this, and that's fun. But no, I just think it's an injured-filled rough patch. I agree, and they're going to have to figure some things out with obviously Dustin May going down, and I'm pretty sure they lost another pitcher. Um, but they had the the best pitching depth of anyone in the league. David, so if Price anybody up, can absorb it, yeah, I was going to say David Price was pitching out of the bullpen to start the year for them, and obviously, you know, he he's a Cy Young, former Cy Young. Uh, you know, pitcher, so they'll be fine. The thing I wanted to talk about was the other LA team and obviously Albert Pujols. Um, I think people definitely, I don't know what it is with the Angels, but people forget about you out there. Makes no sense. They should it not be. weird, in, isn't it? They don't they forget should, about the Dodgers. Why do they forget yeah, about the they Angels? They should not be an LA team uh, just because nobody remembers them. But I think the Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols kind of got angeled. In that regard, and people kind of forgot about him, specifically how good he was. Um, you know, his, if this is, I assume this is going to be his last year. If he picks up with another team and finishes out this year, the, the numbers won't change too, too much. But he spent 11 years in St. Louis and now 10 years with the Angels. And his numbers definitely favor St. Louis, but obviously he was younger and more in his prime there. But with St. Louis, 328, 426, 17 for a 1037 OPS. Pretty damn good. You know, 455 home runs with the Cardinals, 240. Oh, wait. Am I in the right column? Yeah. 222 home runs in LA. So I don't think they necessarily got the player that they had hoped for, but he was still a solid player, still is one of the all time greats. He also has a couple of gold gloves as well and three mm-hmm. MVPs. And I think people really forget about that because especially this, you know, the young fans of baseball that we do have, <laughs> the few that MLB has recruited, that they see Angels, Albert Pujols, they're like, wow, this guy's a scrub. But, I mean, he made, hold on, I can count here, four straight All-Star games and, or sorry, but eight straight All-Star games in nine of ten years. Uh that's, that's pretty good. Rookie yeah, of the year in 2001. Amazing. I mean, 21-year career for anyone is really good. Even Alex Rodriguez didn't last that long. The Yankees basically booted him out before he even got to yeah, what, Watching 100? this unceremonious end with L.A. for, for him is really – it sucks. I hate this yeah. part of the game, and I understand why they did it, but I also don't like the way they did it. I don't know. I feel like if they didn't want him anymore, maybe they could have tried to do something in the offseason. This feels like it's humiliating for him in a way that he doesn't deserve, and I hate it. And Ryan might know this better than me, but I don't know what the average um, strikeouts per season is for for a player who, you know, plays, qualifies, I should say, has over 600 plate appearance or whatever. Albert Pujols has never struck out more than 93 times in a season, even when That's he was insane. a scrub which, you know, 93 was his most, and he had 676 plate appearances that season. (laughs) Like, that's not a lot. Mm -mm. Dude is one of the all-time greats, and we'll see if he picks up with another team. But the point I wanted to make is he has five home runs, 12 RBIs. He's hitting 198, uh, 250, 327 Mm. for 622 OPS. He would be, you know, the fourth best hitter in the Nash lineup right now. (laughs) Shut up. <laughs> I, yeah. That's, that's the, not... my, my, you know, point to drive it home. Way to bring that back around <laughs> and take DFA'd. a dig. Right. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, but it just, I don't know. I hate the way this feels. It's gross. Like, he just deserves so much better. And he is not doing well, and you can't blame the Angels for moving on. I get it. But I guess I just wish they had done it in the offseason and done it in a way that could have been more dignified, I guess. I'm watching the uh, Rays-Angels game right now, and you know how everyone is joking that the White Sox are treating um, Eloy and um, Robert like uh, they're dead? That's kind of what the Angels are doing with, or like the broadcast at least is doing with Albert Pujols. They keep like showing clips of him like he passed away. And I'm like, they just released him. Like, yes, he's an all-time great and he deserves this, but it's like, all right. He's, he's probably still like, alive. hey guys, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm down the street at the bar. Yeah, Chill exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a hard story. And that's just the business side of baseball that sometimes it's hard. I mean, we've talked before about how, you know, balancing the emotional side of the sport and fan favorites and all that with the business side of the sport is tough sometimes, but this one stings a little. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on and do our Nat Spats segment. So last time we got to talk, we were like, woohoo, first place. Now it's a couple days later. Three days ago. (laughs) Oh, last place. (laughs) Ouch. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. They weren't that mighty, but they certainly have fallen. Man, what a week. Um, you know, you play the Marlins. Life's good. Uh-huh. <laughs> you sweep them. You get the 500. Everyone's like, we're all the clowns who said to trade Max. And then you turn around, you get swept, and now you're back in last place. Uh-huh. You're a 500 team. <laughs> right. A four-game four game winning streak makes everybody feel like, you know, big man on campus. And then you lose three in a row, and you're like, ow. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it was just it was just ugly. Um it was not a good hasn't been a good season for the offense. Um, as we saw in Wednesday's game, Nats went one for ten in the final three innings with runners in scoring position. That's not that's not winning baseball. Um, they are the worst team in baseball with runners in scoring position. They have a WRC plus of sixty-eight. A hundred is league average. Um, the next closest is the Orioles, and their WRC Plus is 75. So the Nats are the worst by a lot. That's not winning baseball. And a lot of people are now talking about is, should Kevin Long be on the hot seat? Is Kevin Long's job at Jeopardy? Personally, I don't know how much you can really put blame on Kevin Long because his two, three, four hitters right now are – a lifelong um, minor leaguer. He's 33 years old as a rookie, Yadiel Hernandez. Josh Harrison bang third, and no to power hitter, Starlin Castro hitting four. The two power hitters, quote, power hitters they got, Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber, have been abysmal this year. No one's really hitting. So does Hurt. It's literally Trey Turner and Ryan Zimmerman. And Ryan Zimmerman can't play every single day. Their, their second best hitter can't play every single day. I don't know how you can put that on the hitting coach when the roster right now stinks. Like the, the line is just not good. And what kills me is except for Soto coming back, there's really no, there's no reinforcements on the horizon. Like the cavalry is not on its way. <laughs> this is, this is what we have. Well, yeah. You know, like this is, I, I, I went into depth about this. I think it was last week. The analytics and the peripherals say, this is who the Nats are. They're a hot and cold team. They're going to score seven runs or they're going to get shut out. 
It's what they've literally been doing all season long. It's what they're going to keep doing. So everyone's like, well, you know, once these guys get going, yeah, you know, once Josh Bell gets going, that could help. And so they're coming back. But the peripherals say everyone's kind of just playing who they really are. And that's what makes it more frustrating. Like they shouldn't, they shouldn't be this bad. Like the lineup should not be this bad. It's so frustrating because you watch this. And it's just, there's no results. It's so inconsistent. And I have two kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of go back and forth on it. The, the optimistic part of me says, oh, you know, they're, they shouldn't be this bad with this lineup. And it's going to, you know, regress to the mean at some point, And they should be better than they are now. But also the other teams in the division who have been playing like crap and keeping us in the mix because they're underperforming, they do have reinforcements coming. They do have injured players coming back. And other than Soto, we, we really don't. Our guys aren't injured. They're just not hitting. So when it inevitably happens that the other teams regress to their mean, if the Nats don't pick it up, then they're going to get left in the dust. Yeah, My thing with Kevin Long specifically is, um, you know, I, I get you probably can't put Certainly not all the blame on him with uh, the lineup we're currently rolling out there, but uh, part of me can't help but wonder, you know, the Nats were going to get rid of him. People forget that. He he was gone, and then it was kind of a weird situation that he was brought back. I don't know if we mm-hmm. ever got clarity on that. No, we did not. I don't think they necessarily wanted to bring him back, but it's not like he's a bad pitting, pit, or hit, pitching coach, uh, <laughs> hitting coach, but – I don't think he's all that he's cracked up to be. He was with the Yankees for years and years and years with their great teams, but even they let him go. Um, and then obviously with the Mets before before us, and he gets credit for for the Daniel Murphy thing. And pr- he probably helped Daniel Murphy a lot. Clearly, you know, we all remember how great Murphy was for us. He was an MVP candidate. But what other, you know, turnarounds has he had? Like look at a team the year before he arrives versus the year – he arrives like well, what's the difference I, I don't have those numbers in front of me but through he came on with Davey right so 2018 would have been his first correct yeah. correct yes. yeah I mean outside of the usual suspects so your Sotos your Rendones your Turners who among the Nats has really credited their results to Kevin Long I mean how he had good spurts but any these guys are professional ball players. They're gonna have good good streaks of hitting, uh, and especially these vets. They they've been here, done this. They know themselves that they're more likely. It's like the same thing we talk about with uh, the rotation. You don't really need to do much coaching with Max Strauss and Corbin because they're Max Strauss and Corbin. So you you really look to the development, and there hasn't been much in pitching. So you know the same logic applies to the hitting. The, the usual suspects are pretty fine on their own. So you go to the developmental guys. I mean, Carter Keyboom is kind of a perfect example. He was touted as, oh, he can't play great defense, but he hits. Came come up, up here, can't hit. Victor Robles, can't hit. Uh, what are some other young guys? I, I mean, there, there's more, but I, I just don't know how much, you know, credit you can really give Kevin Long. But at the same time, you can't give him all the blame either. Yeah, it's always so hard to know, like, how much is the player and how much is the coaching, and it's one of those, unless a guy goes somewhere else and they get him right, like, this is a pitcher, obviously, so it's not an exact comp, but, like, what happened with Giolito? 
mm-hmm. where he left here and he went somewhere where the coaching was better and that he got right. That, that one hurts, you know, and I wonder and, how much of the, the issues we have with hitting can be attributed to coaching. I don't, I don't even know how you know unless somebody goes someplace else and you see them thrive in a different coaching environment. That one doesn't even hurt just because of the trade. I mean, it does hurt because of the trade, but it's just frustrating that all he – well, not all he needed to do. I'm not going to act like I was there, but his big change was shortening his arm cycle, and it's like how does someone on the Nats not see that? Yeah, yeah, over all the years he was here in our in he our system, nobody could see that in baseball, and you don't really literally. Is is frustrating? The White Sox were literally like, "Hey, go back to your your whole lineup that you had in high school when you're dominant." Yeah, and it now, um, such a short arm cycle, and it works for him. It's just frustrating. I, I feel like Kevin Long's approach doesn't mesh with Robles. Well, that's it. the results are clear on that. <laughs> yeah, like Kevin Long's entire approach is launch angle. Victor Robles isn't built for that. He's more of a slap hitter who's going to be more successful when he's plugging it in the gaps. And with his speed, when he's running smartly on the bases, it's successful. But Kevin Long is very, very big on launch angle and the analytics. I don't think that meshes with Robles. And I haven't really seen anyone talk about that. And I feel like maybe that might be the thing with, hey, I should probably take a different approach with this guy. Granted, they could be. And Victor Robles could just be this bad at hitting. <laughs> but I just feel like that approach of trying to get launch angle just isn't working for all the players. That was a mid-2010s phenomenon. And now the pitching has adjusted to it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're seeing so many strikeouts. And, yeah, and the pitching is way too dominant now. Yeah. Yeah. The pitching has They need to go immensely. back to the early 2000s. Well, that might not be the right era, but the, the contact steroids, hitting. Steroids. Yeah. Steroids. <laughs> well, they do need to go back to that era, but I, I just meant more of the contact hitting that were, you know, high batting averages and yep. number of hits mm-hmm. were the, uh, you know, the, the, the praised stats rather than home runs and RBIs like they are now. Yeah, and, well, and, I'll tell I you. Mean, they're, they're trying to do the same thing that worked for, with Daniel Murphy, with Kyle Schorber, and Kyle Schorber looks terrible. So Yeah, like worse than he's ever looked. Whatever they're doing isn't working. So I don't know how much blame you can put on Kevin Long for all of that, but if they moved on from Kevin Long and brought somebody else in here to give something else a try, it wouldn't break my heart. It's, it'll be the same thing like they did, what, in 2019 when they fired their pitching coach, bring a new guy in, and if it works, they can say, oh, look at this, it worked. Kind of That was 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they'll probably end up doing the same thing. Yeah, I think that's probably coming. So I guess to go back to the actual question we started with, which is Kevin Long on the hot seat, I think he is. I think when you have an entire lineup underperforming like this, whether fairly or not, the the hitting coach is on the hot seat. Yeah, and the Mets just fired Chili Davis, which I forgot to put my week in review. RIP Chili Davis. Um, Yeah, that the whole saga was weird. (laughs) Everyone was like, wow, was... This Pete Alonso's made, crying. Pete it's a crazy Alonso's thing. Crying. Like, was this made-up guy a shot at Chili Davis? Everyone's like, no, it's a uh, it's tequila guy. Um, they just fired him, and I love how all the players are crying when they have literally the worst offense in baseball and scored like three runs or less in like 75% of their games. Funny, but yeah, no, I mean, sometimes you got to make drastic action. It's a fair question. I feel like that's one that is going to get louder and louder if the offense keeps underperforming this terribly. Soto is going to have to come back like full time before, (laughs) um, you know, they probably make a move like that. But I'm starting to get on on board with that movement. 
Um, that being said, there's plenty of other bad managerial decisions this week that uh, we can talk about. Mm. Yeah, we sure can. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk briefly about Soto. Um, this uh, Speaking of bad managerial decisions, I think all three of us were making Well, that's kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah, con- making some comments about this on Twitter last night. So, uh, bases loaded, bottom of the eighth, uh, you know, opportunity to get themselves ahead or at least tie the game. And Robles is up, and Soto is, I mean, what did Davey say? He said, oh, he's available for pinch hit situations. I can't think of a pinch hit situation you want Soto for. And everybody's going, oh, you can't, you can't because he couldn't go in the outfield. Like, you couldn't put somebody else in the outfield? Like, you lost the game. So, like, anyway. All right, go ahead. Well, I was, I was no, because you, you brought something up, so I wanted to just ask the follow-up to it. You say, can you put someone else in the outfield? The question would have been, who? Because um, Yadiel Hernandez already hit. And Stevenson, Stevenson was, was in the game. Was in the game. Now I see both sides of this. That moment was the game. The mm-hmm. game was on the line in that moment. You knew Victor Robles wasn't going to do much based on how he's been doing um, today and Wednesday's game. He actually had some pretty good at bats, but he popped up on the first pitch, and that just rang very loudly. How? Oh yeah, you know Juan Soto. He's basically doing his rehab up here. He's going to be pinch hitting. Now you. You could have put him in, and then you just hide him in right field, move Stevenson in center field, and just pray to God no one hits the ball to right field. And just hope he doesn't get more hurt, or you just do what Davey did and just pray Robles comes through. It was one of those situations where I honestly feel like it was a lose-lose for Davey no matter what he did. If he pinch hits for Soto and then the ball is hit to right field, people are like, why did you do that? You knew his arm isn't good enough. And, you know, he didn't pinch hit for them. Robles didn't get hit, didn't get hit. Everyone's slamming him. So I feel like that was a tough situation for him. I see both sides of it. Granted, I would have done it just because, you know, put all your chips in, put all your chips in, baby. Try to win the game right then and there. But I, I, I do see the, the other side and I, I can agree. Like, you know, it was probably a lose, lose situation unless Soto comes through in the clutch. Then you, you kind of just, you know, assuming he doesn't get it, you know, a setback in his injury due to a play and right, you kind of just, you know, hope for the best, but that was the game right there. And especially against the Braves, your division rival with, you know, you're coming into the series first place team. I would have liked them to put more emphasis on this winning game because <laughs> we, we talk about it. We've talked about it in 2019, 2020, these games count. These games matter just as much as the ones in September. And it seems like the Nats are always, always, always playing from behind, whether it's in the standings or in a game, whatever. And sometimes it works out for them and everything, you know, works out in the Nats favor one way or another. But it would be nice to, like we talked about coming into the series, build a cushion and kind of play to win. Like let's put some emphasis on winning rather than just trying to stay alive. This was a winnable game and Juan Soto was not starting and we were still in it. Yeah. Eric Fetty didn't have his great stuff, but your bullpen kept you in it until your offense finally got going. And then you have the bases loaded. You have the best, one of the best pure hitters in the game on the bench pinch hit him. Just do it. With the game on the line, you want your best guys up. That every best guy, you know, takes the shot in the NBA. You know, you want the the ball in the hands of your playmaker in in football. You had the best guy on your team, not only on your team, but in the National League on your bench, and you left him there until 
leading leading off in, in the next inning. Like, yeah. what's he going to do lead off? You, you were down two. So it, it's just so frustrating. I would have liked to seen him, you know, pinch hit him there, whether they put him in right or kind of just ask, hey, Josh Bell, go out in there and play right, please. Right, that's what I would have done. Like, who cares? Or, and- or maybe Austin Voth, one of your kind of like lower tier bullpen guys. These guys have played other positions before, obviously not professionally, but you can get by with one inning. For one inning. And that's Especially what Especially if me. you get the lead. Yeah, you had the opportunity to try to take the lead right there. Let's say you do it, and even if you, you put somebody else out there, if you're so uncomfortable, you can't put Soto. Or put Soto out there and tell him, don't throw the ball. If it's hit to you in right field and we lose the game, then so be it. But at least right. we got the opportunity to win. You put Robles out there in that situation, everybody knew what was going to happen. I didn't yeah. think it would be on one pitch. <laughs> but... I, you know, I had no faith whatsoever that Robles was going to score two runs there. And I had, I think Soto had a great chance that he could have scored two runs there. And what is he here for instead of doing a rehab stint in the minors? If you're not going to pinch hit him, you said you brought him up here and kept him here to pinch hit. Yeah. And it's just, it's just frustrating because now we're um, post sweep rather than potentially taking, you know, dropping two of three really only dropping what a game in the standings right so but now we're down three games in the standings it's a huge swing um it is getting swept in that series is a big deal it changes the and we went from first to last yeah and and you had the opportunity to win this game six against the braves this year yeah didn't we win one i thought no they won they won opening opening day which is our next point they're one and five against the mets they're i'm sorry the braves they're two and seven against the Braves and the Mets this year. That's that's not how you win a division. Penciled in top dogs in the NL East. Right. Like you right, haven't right. you're three no against the Marlins. Good. That's three free wins. The Yankees won ninety games one year because they absolutely dominated sorry, hundred games one year because they absolutely dominated the Orioles. You gotta beat up those teams. That's fantastic. But you have to try to be 500 against the good teams in your division. Right now, you're two and seven. You have the Phillies next week. Right now, it's a first place team. If you lose that series, also, that says a hell of a lot about what this team is going to do. That's Beep. upsetting. Um, they also gave up a grand slam to a pitcher. Who, by the way, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to by, talk about this. Ever by again. the way, he has more home runs, more RBIs this year than Francisco Lindor. Yeah, nice. So, uh, could be worse. That's a fun stat. <laughs> People, you know, fans and within the Nats organization are like need to realize we always talk about how the Nats, you know, take last week, for example, they're playing the Blue Jays and the Marlins. We talked about it as a get right series. People need to realize other teams are circling their calendars when they play the Nats and that's their get right series. That's the way we're playing right now. Yeah, that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's true. Yep. Uh, all right, let's go on and talk about roster construction more broadly. Um, we have a great question here from at one lovely lady C on Twitter. Uh, do you think the Nats would be in a better spot today if Rizzo and company had said after 2019, the World Series 2019 was a year of accomplishment that we'll never forget. However, we spent a lot of resources to bring a championship team to the district and its wonderful fans. And now it's time to retool and restock instead of always saying building a 90 win team goal. I yes. mean, yeah, <laughs> certainly with, with yes. hindsight, but just to kind of like play that scenario out, they probably let Strauss and Rendon walk. They, you know, trade Max Scherzer, maybe, probably. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Is it a retool or a total rebuild? Because I feel well, like you could. I mean, they they have that money to play with. I I don't know it. They would they would have to trade somebody because you're not getting anything from. You would Rendon trade Max or, and or keep Strauss. Strauss. Yeah, I think you would keep Strauss. I think they would let Rendon walk, keep Strauss, and trade Max if you were looking at like a retool situation. Yeah, which obviously two years ago Max probably would have gotten on a, a nice. I'm a nice I would done it. I, I thought at the time, I thought it would have been the perfect time to do it. Like, you just, you won with your core. Start preparing. Because right now, they don't really have a bright future. And that's fine. You know, like, the Nats sold out for 10 years to win a World Series. That's completely okay. There's a lot of fan bases around the league that would trade to have the Nats spot. The Nats tried to win for 10 years. They sold their entire farm system to win a World Series. A lot of teams don't do that. But you also got to realize that you just did that for 10 years. You got to get something back. You got to retool. After the World Series, it would have been a fantastic time. Now, doing that doesn't sell tickets. We know the learners want to sell tickets. Every owner does. But the Rizzo in the front office saying, we're, we're going to build a championship team. We're going to build a 91 team. That sells tickets. That does enough to get the fans believe, all right, this team's competing to win. They're going to go to games. Admitting your retooling doesn't get fans to games. So that's why they kind of do all that. Personally, I would rather them be honest and be like, look, this is a transition year. This year, this is a transition year. We know where we're going to be at in a couple of years. Instead of saying, I have the March to build a championship team, because right now this team's not a championship team at any level. Um, so it's a little frustrating. So I get it. I think this is a really good question and a good conversation. It's slightly controversial because, you know, you won the world series Nats fans are living on that high and that would destroy the high very quickly. It would have been very funny to see, but it's a good question. I like it. Yeah. I mean, we talked about a couple of times their need to retool and stuff. So this would have been as good of a time as any, should they have gone that route? I understand wanting to try to run it back, but you like Ryan said. You sold out. You literally sold out. Look at the state of the the Nats now. We're kind of having to wait for our, this money to to go away before we're ever able to retool. <laughs> so that oh oh Ryan, we have some breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. This is uh, an important PSA brought to you by Manscaped. The, oh God. So. Let me back up. They they had this this ad read for us, and I, I was trying to play into it as much as I can. I I did it a once over, and I was like, okay, it's a public service announcement. They're like, this is your pubic service announcement. <laughs> I don't know if I nice. yeah, well, I already stopped the ad read, so I just couldn't do that. <laughs> All right, but you might have seen it on Twitter if you follow the Half Street High Heat account, which you absolutely should. But we do have some legitimate breaking news, and Manscaped has dropped the lawnmower 4.0. What you thought was already the best, which, well, what was already the best grooming tool in the game has gotten better. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed they have successfully created the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. Canada? Why did I say Canada like that? This new trimmer was just released today, and... Us at Half Street High Heat. We haven't gotten ours yet, but we're going to be one of the first to get our hands on it. And we wanted to share the news 
Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free shipping worldwide on the brand new Lawnmower 4.0. It's, I cannot wait for it. I'm, at, I'm legitimately excited for it. Amanda said her, her kids were fighting over who's going to get it when it comes. Yeah, like, we're not going to talk about that. I'm oh, talk oh, oh about I'm talking about it. It's my ad read. <laughs> but this is, you know. If you got the 3.0, I guarantee you, you loved it. I haven't heard any bad news about it. So the fact that, you know, you're getting what you loved and it's improved, I'm, I'm excited. I'm checking the mailbox every single day. And you guys can too for a discounted rate, 20, 20% off and free shipping. Go to manscaped.com. Check out the Lawnmower 4.0 and all the massive upgrades they made to it. It's insanity and it's brand new and you still get 20% off. There's no reason not to do it. So go to Manscaped, use our promo code HSHH20, 20% off and free shipping. No matter where you are in the world, you can have the Lawnmower 4.0. So there's absolutely no reason for you not to go do it. So do it now. Do it. All right. Let's move on and talk about our next series. Now, let's just put this sweet by the Braves behind us and never speak of it again. <laughs> uh, we're playing the Yankees. What do you guys think? What's yeah. your kind of feeling about this one? They they literally cannot be playing the Yankees at the worst time. Um, not that long ago, we were doing the Concernorama, talking about how concerned the Yankees should be about their start. You know, pitchers not named Garrett Cole had an ERA over nine. They had the worst record in all of baseball. Since then, they're 11-4 and four over the last 15 games. Their team ERA is now the best in the American League. Their runs per game has gone up 1.3. They're now scoring over five runs a game. They're good. They're, they're playing right now like the Yankees thought. Everyone thought the Yankees were going to play. Um, like I said, they're 11-4 over the last 15. They just took 2-3 from the Astros, which was a really fun, really heated series. I had a fantastic time watching it. But... One of the big things about it, and this is what's truly game-changing, is Yankee games are eight-inning games because Aroldis Chapman is pitching the best best he's ever pitched his entire career. Um, through 11 games, that's 11 innings, he has a zero ERA. He struck out 26 batters in 11 innings. 26 of the 33 outs he's gotten have been by strikeout. Is that it's, good? It's, it's the most good. unreal thing. I've, it's absolutely unreal. His whip is 0.45. He is pitching elite. It like it's that is peak Andrew Miller from a couple of years ago level. It's absolutely absurd. Now there is good news. We don't see Garrett Cole. You avoid him. Um, the pitching matchups this weekend are Corbin versus Jameson Tayon, Max Scherzer versus Corey Kluber, which is going to be a very fun outing. And then on Sunday, it's Joe Ross versus um, Domingo German. Um, I don't even care if I said his name wrong. He's a trash human being on Mother's Day to wrap up the weekend. So, and some pretty good pitching matchups. The only bad news is the Nats just got swept. The Yankees are playing the best baseball in all of the league right now. So I don't that, see what can possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I mean, you you hit a bunch of great points. We talked about how the Nats need to put some emphasis on these games. I mean, the Yankees didn't even really need to put emphasis. They're playing the Astros. Everyone knows the history between the Yankees and the Astros. Twenty seventeen, da 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 da. Especially last year with no fans in the stands, the fans want their piece. That 
atmosphere, that that environment got the Yankees, the team up to play for those games. And now they're rolling. They're carrying that over. Even though they dropped the game today, they're carrying that over into the Nats series. The Nats are screwed. Just let, let, let's be honest. They are not playing well. The Yankees are not exactly the team you circle as a, a get right series. If anything, this is the Yankees get right series. If that's, you know, even something they need at this point, which probably isn't. Yeah. You're missing Garrett Cole, but the way our offense has been playing, it doesn't matter who's, who's out there. I mean, we got no run by Drew Smiley today who had an eight ERA coming to the day. So it doesn't matter if it's Garrett Cole or so some. We make everybody look like Garrett Cole right now. Some, some wife beater like Domingo German. It doesn't matter. The Nats can't hit anybody. It's just let, let's be real. Until this offense gets right, you're going to, you know, go into every upcoming series saying, "Oh, please, let's steal at least one." Like that's our our, our ceiling right now because we cannot hit. And you're not going to out-hit the Yankees. You can't it, how, out-hit the Yankees on your best day. So let's be real. We're looking at another sweep because this team is not a contender. Well, that is not very optimistic of you. <laughs> um, I have to say, if you look at it on paper, it certainly looks like they don't have much of a hope against the Yankees. All I can hope is this is one of those weird baseball things where you lose to the people you should beat and you beat the people you should lose to. So. I'm pinning my hopes on that, but it's not looking too good. No. Yeah, you know, I was I was feeling good about the the Braves series. I was like, you know what? The Braves they're, are playing terrible. They're beat up, right? They're hurt. The Nats have the pitching matchups. Nats should win. You know, the the, the Nats got swept. Um, so I'm gonna reverse psychology this. Okay. Do it. So I said the Nats are going two or three, they got swept. I'm going to say the Nats are going to win two of three, reverse psychology, beat them at their own game, and just pray the Nats can win one game. But I'm going two of three, baby. That's my prediction. Let's do it. Love it. it. Let's do it. I'm annoyed because I said said the Nats would win two of three as well. They would in the first and third. And then I literally said the opposite's probably going to happen. The opposite should have happened if Juan Soto had pinch hit. But Agreed. That one was winnable. That one stings the most because the other ones are just like, okay – well, the one today has its own series of issues we haven't even gotten into. But, yeah, that one was winnable, and I feel like they should have won that second game. But I did, I do want to point out I picked them to only win one for once. So I was still this wrong. But Yeah, you were still wrong. Like, I, I mean, you can't really hang your head. Still when, wrong. We kind of glossed over it, but Lester pitched well again today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of a surprise. I, I didn't expect him to be any kind of right as soon as he, as soon as he got – into the season, but he's so far been absolutely serviceable. If you told me this is what you'd get out of your fifth starter, I'd be perfectly okay with that. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on to, we have Concernorama again. Ryan, hook us up. Um, Before we get started, I just want to say that the Astros are filing a complaint with MLB about the way Yankee fans taunted them. Oh, oh serious? God. God. Yankee fans have crossed the line a couple of times, like oh, they did, making, making fun of um, Zach Ranke's anxiety. But everything this week was absolutely hilarious. Grow up. But we're going to do concern. Oh, Can I tell a funny story that oh, just please. came up? Please. Uh, I was, doing, I was that, down a rabbit hole on baseball reference, and I came across Cliff Lee. Um, you know, everyone remembers Cliff Lee. He, he was dominant for the Phillies. But that, that offseason, he was a free agent. The Yankees 
were in contention for his services as they are with most, you know, big name free agents. And uh article came up that Cliff Lee explicitly did not I think he actually led the Yankees on and ultimately did not sign with them because uh Yankee fans spit on his wife. So that, that's why he did not sign with New York, and he ended up signing with Philly. Well, that's <laughs> which that's is, a perfectly good reason. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> it, it's not Philly. a fun story, but it fits exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess Philly fans are so much better, but still. <laughs> yeah, Yankees fans are awful. I'll be the first one to say it. But what they did this week for the Astros, they deserved every yeah, bit of that good. and so much more. And I don't have one single ounce. Yeah, I don't have one single ounce of sympathy for anything. I hope those guys get booed and heckled and treated like crap everywhere they go for the rest of their careers. The funny thing is, it was only 10,000 fans. Like, can you imagine if they had um, 50,000 fans in there? (laughs) Oh, man. Amazing. And I hope the next time they're there, when they come to the Bronx again, that there are 50,000 fans and they do exactly the same thing again. Oh, you know, they will. Yankee fans are ruthless. It's going to, it's going to be fun. I'm very excited. So we've done concern Arama for teams with us this week. We want to hear from you. So we put on Twitter to air your grievances. It's a festivus for the rest of us. And we're going to do fan concern Arama. We heard y'all's concerns. And we're just going to read them out now. We're also going to react to them. It's kind of going to work like Twitter questions. But these are our half-street, high-heaters concerns about the team right now. All right. I didn't know if Amanda was taking I'm over. Doing so I'm doing it. I'm doing it. All right. At Riggle9000 says, my concerns are Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber. Can't Me too, Bob. Them. Me too. Well, that is a very reasonable take, sir. Yeah, Riggle, you are right on it. Um. Yeah, dude, they they got to get it going if this team's going to go anywhere. It's 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 it. It's everything. Like if these guys get right, this team has a shot. If they don't, they don't. It's, you know, there are other issues, but without those two hitters getting into some semblance of themselves, then everything else is noise because they can't be successful if Bell and Schwarber, who were their two big offseason acquisitions, just continue to hit in the, you know, 100 high 100s and low 200s, this team doesn't have a prayer. Mm, they're living on a prayer. Oh, now it's going to be stuck in my head. <laughs> Damn it. All right, moving on. At PS McHenry 11 says, I'm glad we got the ship, but I feel we were good enough organization to be consistent winners and October contenders after a ship. But I felt, I'm sorry, so, I, feel, I felt we were. Sir, you were wrong. <laughs> I, I feel the Nats should have won more than one in the World Series in this window. Um the last two years were just the cultivation of putting everything you had into winning a world series in a time frame. There's just nothing left. There's nothing in the farm. They had a bunch older guys, big contracts. That's what happens. Like I said earlier, it's worth it. Um, but that's just the cultivation of going all in. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with this. They should have won more than one, but 2019 2019 was definitely the last year of their of their best window. They definitely, you know, could have competed better last year, but 2019 was the last best year for sure. And I'm pretty sure we all said that on the podcast. So I'm definitely glad, you know, they made the most of it. But look at the team in 2020 versus 2017, 2018. That's not even close to, to what it was. You know, we lucked into Juan Soto. Let's be real. Juan Soto was not supposed to be this good, and we lucked into him. 
So, I mean, I think 2012 was the best year, the year I felt uh, like they. Oh, well, obviously. Yeah. 2012, if you're going to go back that far, but I'm, you know, usually windows don't last, you know, what, what are eight, nine years? That's not really a, a realistic window. We, we almost had two separate windows that 14, 15, you know, was kind of an in-between reset. You know, we brought in Max Scherzer out, you know, out goes Jordan Zimmerman brought in Gio Gonzalez, who was solid for a couple of years. So uh, it was kind of like a reset, but we definitely should have won more than one. But 2019 was the the last best year for us. Yeah, 2017 was a good 2017 is the yeah. year I look at where it's like they should. have. What could have been? Yeah. Yeah. That was a hard one to swallow. I was at that game and I don't yeah. like to think about it too much. It makes me sad. Okay. Um, next one is at everything underscore Nats lineup sucks. This is, my, this is my favorite one. <laughs> That's a really good concern. And, and also very succinct yet accurate. Sweet to the point. Quick to the point. Yep. Lamb sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing to be concerned about. Dilly dilly. dilly, dilly. <laughs> All I can say is my reaction to that is yes. Yes, it does. All right. Uh, Mr. Monty at On the Pod Thrice says, non-Nats related trade. How is this a concern, Rama? Yankees send Clint Frazier, Miguel Andahar, Dievi. How do you say it's Dievi? I think it's just Devi. Devi Garcia, uh, right-handed pitcher, number three prospect, and Oswald Peraza, shortstop, number four prospect, to Rockies for Trevor Story. What? Um, Monty, you should have made a better trade offer. You should have beat this trade offer. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I don't know how any. I don't Did know this happen in your show are. season? Um, I'm 99% sure this is a trade that beat Monty, and he was pretty upset about it. Uh, <laughs> I see. So that's what this is. I'm like, what okay, the hell so is this? He's concerned that he got cucked. Okay. Uh, right, I got gotcha. it now. So, Okay, it took. Uh, yeah, I, I was not. I'm tracking glad I made that, that connection because I was like, Monty, you're just an idiot. For I know. I'm like, what is this? Okay. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty solid offer he, for half half a season of Trevor Story. Monty should have beaten it. So we have another one for Monty, which is NAS related. Does Nick care more about being right than the team doing well? Shots fired. Well, Nick it, has the floor. It, if the Nats cared about you know the team doing well, then I would be right in predicting that the team would do well. Ever think about that? <laughs> so you think they're not doing well because they don't care to do well? Exactly. I see. I mean, just look at the off-season moves. But that doesn't really answer the question. Do you care more about being right or more about the team doing well? I, My client doesn't I would have be, to answer that. I would be right if the Nats cared about doing but well. But that's still not an answer to the question. But it, it's it's an answer. I see. Okay, Monty, the answer is you're not getting an answer. All right. Monty, do you care more about making stupid memes than doing your job of, you know, posting articles every day? Because I'm pretty sure you didn't post till like 11. Oh, this I thought you meant his real job. No. <laughs> like, I care about his real job. There's so many people who don't understand this bit and they're like, oh my God, they're fighting again. <laughs> <laughs> so many people. I, I wonder oh, who, it's all love, people. It's who, all who's love. Who's trying to cuck Monty this week? <laughs> Yes, they, they, they fight because they love each other. All right, moving on to at Crowley Aunt Marga says, we need Juan at 100%, and that is a really I valid would. concern. We need Juan at, like, 200% <laughs> yeah, we if we're going like, to be a contender. I, yeah. just, I just want to say, I would die for you. 
I absolutely <laughs> love. Absolute favorite fan. Absolute she's so, favorite fan. She's so great. Oh, yes. I love her so much. I one of my favorite Twitter followers. Truly, I, I wanted to catch a game with you, but we need one back so badly. So <laughs> Literally, much. Just plan them in there, and if he's healthy, it changes everything. Please get your shoulder right, or go to MLB's office and force Rob Manfred, Manfred, excuse me, to install a DH in National League so you can at least hit. Yeah, do you remember? I forget what the movie was called. There was this movie. I think it was in the '80s or '90s with Michael Keaton in it, where he just like was Money so ball. overwhelmed. No, it's when he—that's <laughs> not the one. He kept making copies of himself. He like figured out how to clone himself, and each copy was like a little bit. Star you know, Wars: The Clone Wars. Similar, similar to that, except Michael Keaton was in it. Um, anyway, the whole Bugs the whole life. thing was that each version, each copy was not quite. It was like a Xerox. Like each Toy copy story. was not quite as clear or smart or capable as the one before it. I and I feel like we need to do that with Juan Soto. And even if each one isn't quite exactly Juan Soto, like a carbon copy that's not quite as good would still be okay with me. We just need a whole lineup what? of Juan Soto. Horton, here's what? a who. <laughs> what, what movie is that? The good I don't dinosaur. know. I have to look it up. <laughs> there was a there was a clover. Important here's a who. I Disney's feel like we're off topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm moving on. Fantastic beast and where to find them. <laughs> At RIP Fanatic says, lineup not as good as hoped. We'll be more concerned if they're still scuffling well below 500 by end of May. Like he wouldn't be celebrating 19 and 31 if that's what they went. Well, it's hard to argue with that. Although I will say the concern tends to be very cyclical. There's days where, you know, there, there's days where, Fanatic, you are very reasonable on Twitter and days where I think hyperbolic is the correct term. Depends on the day. That's, that's one term. <laughs> Thank you for the question. Moving on to at the voice of Evan, who says, basically just consistency for real, for real. Uh, I was, I might type that. I was like, I wonder, I wonder if Amanda's just going to go FR, FR. <laughs> you know what? You don't know me. You don't know me. Um, literally. It took me a second. I'm like, what the? Oh, I see. I see what we're doing. All right. Um, yeah. What's up, fellow kids? It's fine. How do you do, fellow kids? Uh, consistency. Does anyone fantastic. do the weed? Are you cool? I love that movie, Days and Confused. Such a good Anyway, consistency is a really good concern to have because this team, like you, you, we were talking about earlier in the show, they hit seven or they or they get seven runs or no runs. They just have absolutely no consistency at all. It's feast or famine and mostly famine right now. Boys are not – it's like the uh, – oh, was it the Red Sox? I it's think the it, Red Sox yeah, kid, kids score run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Them kids are starving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they oh, are. Oh, man. Those poor, starving children. Won't anybody please think of the children? All right. At Brian underscore Purvis says, four, and eight is hit, four to eight is hitting on average about 210. No matter how good the pitching is, hard to get series wins hitting like that, and no solid answer on the horizon, although Juan Soto coming back will take a little pressure off. That's all very yeah, well Yeah, that's, that's a really good point and a really fair concern. I just, back to Juan Soto again, I just – I feel like people should kind of, you know, tamper expectations. What's going to happen? It's only one guy. If he and Cherry are the only ones sitting in the lineup, nothing really is going to change. Mm-mm. No, like, it's all going to come back to it's going to come back to Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell. You have to have more hitters than just Trey and Soto. If those guys don't hit, nothing else that happens matters. You're tinkering around the edges. You have to have more capable bats in your lineup than just two guys. 
Yeah, like if you look at, I think, you know, the, the Phillies are a pretty good example. I mean, they have Bryce Harper and JT Romuto, and the two additional guys they count on would be Reese Hoskins and Andrew McCutcheon. Everyone else in their lineup isn't, you know, that great. But Reese Hoskins has been doing well this season, and I haven't really been following Andrew McCutcheon. But same thing with the Nats. They have Juan Soto and Trey Turner. They really need Josh Bell and Kyle Schorber to step up to kind of extend and lengthen their lineup a little bit, and they haven't gotten that. And that's why we're here. But Brian makes a good point. You know, it's nice if the bottom of the lineup, even though that might not be the uh, place you expect it, can produce a little bit of offense. So it sets up either, you know, score some runs or sets up you know, the top of the lineup once you get back around. So right now that that's not happening for the Nats and it's just a bunch of outs. Yeah, it is just a bunch of outs. And, you know, you talked about you need those like two other guys who aren't your superstars and that's supposed to be Schwarber and Bell right now. The closest thing we have is Castro and Harrison mm. who are doing. Who would be great depth would, pieces behind. Right. Schwe- if, if, if Bell Schwarber and, and Bell. Schwell and Bart Holberg <laughs> were doing better. Yeah. If, if Bell and Schwarber were doing what they're supposed to do. Wouldn't that be Schwell? <laughs> it would be. Schwo Schwell. Oh, man. Monty's going to love that. Uh-huh. Yep. He's going to be cackling. I can hear it already. <laughs> okay. At one lovely lady C, one more from her to finish off our Concernorama tonight is, I see a lot of prospects don't matter, and then people get mad at how bad the farm is. Nick, I feel like this is for you. Or Ryan, you both this don't really like prospects. Yeah, but you're not a prospects guy either. Ryan's really I, not a I'm prospects not gonna guy. I'm outspoken on it. Yeah, prospects I, I w- matter, and not enough people realize that. that I wouldn't her. care about how bad the farm is if we had the talent on the big league level to back it up. But when you don't have, um, you know, a deep big league club and not a not a deep farm, that's when you know you're going to get outspoken. The Dodgers can have the worst GD farm system in baseball. It doesn't matter because they have the best team. It's kind of what you yeah. Expect. Look at their forty you, man. You, Who cares what's in their farm? You system. take that trade off you know, 11 times out of 10. But when you don't have a good farm, when you have a 30th ranked farm and a 24th ranked ball club, then you have problems. And that's when I'm going to say something. So this point is kind of invalid. My, my take on prospects is prospects serve two purposes for trading and rebuilding. The Nats are about to rebuild. The farm system is a big concern because of that. They need to start getting some type of prospect because once your rebuild's done and you're about to start contending, you want to have a top 10 farm system. Look at the Padres. Padres. They had one of the best farm systems in baseball. Literally just pick and choose whoever they wanted because their farm system was that deep. And they still have a good farm system. It puts you in a good position. White Sox too. White Sox as well. Yes. Dodgers somehow had a top 10 farm system for like 30 straight years. But they're for rebuilding and they're for trading. Now, you would like to have five or so really solid and will be ready prospects like a lot of teams do in any type of manner. Nats don't have that right now either. That's also a big concern, but what one concern at a time. <laughs> well, I mean, this they've is got concern Carter Keboom, so, after yeah. all, so there's no rules. Can we just take a mm-hmm. quick second to talk about the fact that Carter Keboom not only now can't hit at the big league level, but also can't hit at the triple A level. Oh, for five, four strikeouts in the first game, which by the way, the minor league system, minor league season has started. Um, if you guys can, and you have a minor league team near you, please go and support your local yeah. minor league team. Um, yes. It's absolutely outrageous that 40 teams got cut. 
go out and support. It's awesome. You're also helping the community. That being said, and that's <laughs> the Hudson minor league season's not off to a good start. I think it was on Tuesday where all of the teams got combined, outscored a combined like 36 to three or whatever it was. <laughs> that's so uh, dreadful. system, baby. Are Cavalli and Rutledge in Fredericksburg or are they? They're low? at um, Wilmington. Oh, yeah. Okay. One so of them. Fredericksburg I think is low A, Wilmington's high A? High A, yeah. Okay, so they're past Fredericksburg. Okay. And I do <laughs> want to talk about while you're going to support your local minor league club that it is so important. The one that we used to go to that was the closest to us, less than an hour away, was the Hagerstown Sons, who are no more. So I'm sad about that. That was like our, our favorite minor league one to go see that was announced affiliate. <laughs> Um, I think it was Cavelli who pitched um, five shutout innings tonight. So nice. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think Jesse Doherty was tweeting about it earlier. Let's see if I can find it. Anyway, so yeah, some good pieces down in the minors, but really nothing to write home about. And that farm system, as you said, it, like we all look at the Padres, not only do they have pieces they can pick and choose from to bring up to the big league level, but they also, when they want to make a trade for a veteran or you know a good MLB player, they have they have something with which to make that trade and uh, we aren't really in that position right now yep. not so much all right anything else before we get out of here um for those people that do like prospects we do have we're gonna you know as we get closer to the draft put a little bit more emphasis on you know the, the draft prospects and the farm system in general so if you are a farm system stan we will have a content for you coming up here in the next few weeks some That's very exciting fun. content Yep. Yeah, that'll be fun. When I'm in the pipeline car, pieces. Often, I'm often in the car on Sundays because I work weekends most of the time. So I always listen to the minors and majors on MLB Network Radio. Super interesting stuff. Even if you're, you know, if there's too many prospects among all the teams to really keep track, but it's cool to hear from, you know, some of the, the they'll interview GMs and talk about what their plans are with different prospects and just kind of get some of the big names around the league. It's pretty cool. Check mm-hmm. that out too if you guys are into that. All right. I think we are all set here. Then thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate you very much. Please make sure you subscribe to Half Street High Heat wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And make sure you check us out on Twitter. The show account is at Half Street High Heat. And the website is halfstreethighheat.com. Lots of good stuff there, including a wrap-up. I think it did with a wrap-up get posted for the Brave series yet. Uh, no, but that should be up tomorrow morning. Yeah, probably by the time y'all are listening to this, it'll probably be there. Correct. So, take care. Enjoy your baseball. Let's beat the Yankees. Y'all have a good night. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Let's By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's 
to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.